0: Thank you for listening to another Hastings Naz podcast. We are so pleased that you have shown interest in listening to this podcast, and we pray that it is edifying and beneficial for you. You can watch us live every Sunday morning on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hastings Naz. And if you are so inclined, you can support the ministries of the church by going to HastingsNaz.org slash give. Hope you enjoy this sermon. Grace and peace. This morning, church, we continue in our series for Easter, for the season of Easter, called Genuine Christianity. And we continue in the short letter at the end of the Bible, 1 John. Uh, and this morning, I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 28, continuing on to chapter 3, verse 11. Uh, follow along uh, with this reading this morning, will you, church? And now, little children, abide in him so that when he is revealed, we may have confidence and not be put to shame before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right has been born of him. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born of God do not sin, because God's seed abides in them. They cannot sin because they have been born of God. The children of God and the children of the devil are revealed in this way. All who do not do what is right are not from God, nor are those who do not love their brothers and sisters. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Amen. The written word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So... um. Kayla and I never realized how much we say the word, uh uh-huh, until recently. When we want to affirm one another, we say, uh uh-huh. When we ask each other a question, we say, uh uh-huh. We say it all the time. We didn't realize how frequently we said, uh uh-huh. It's not even a word. It's just kind of like a... Mumbling, but we say it all the time. And do you know how we learned how often we say this word? Amelia Josephine. (laughs) Millie's favorite word right now is, uh uh-huh. I'm better than it being, uh uh-uh, right now. A year from now, that might be your favorite word. But right now, it's, uh uh-huh. She says, uh uh-huh, all the time. When we ask her a question, she says, "Uh uh-huh. When we ask one another a question, she'll interrupt and say, "Uh uh-huh. For absolutely no reason at all, she will say, "Uh uh-huh. And she'll say it over and over and over again. It's really fun. My parents have a game they like to play with her because they know she loves the word "uh uh-huh. So whenever we're calling or FaceTiming with my parents, they always ask her, Millie, do you want to come visit Grandma and Grandpa? trying to get her to say, "Uh uh-huh. In fact, I actually have a video of her saying, "Uh uh-huh. While, did you hear it? (laughs) You might've just heard it. She just said it. Uh, Here's a video uh, that we're gonna watch. It's a short video of Goes and goes and goes saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh he ha over and over again. And we didn't realize how much we said it. We say it all the time, but this this is what kids do, isn't it? Kids become a reflection of their parents. And kids reveal to parents their own behaviors. Sometimes parents don't realize how they act until they see their kid doing the same thing. Kids mimic their parents. And parents, if you have multiple kids, she's on a roll now. She's just, she's just saying it. Parents of multiple kids, if you really get kind of, if one of your kids gets under your skin a little bit, it's probably because they're reflecting you back to them, back to yourself. It's probably because you see, you're seeing yourself in them. Kids take on the practices of their parents. And it's not just little kids who do this. It's adult kids, too. The older I get, the more I find myself taking on the habits and the mannerisms of Mark and Debbie. In fact, just this week, I had a memory on Facebook where Tom Gibbons commented on one of my dad's videos on Facebook and said, oh, well, now I know where Danny gets the way he talks to the church and it was like, oh, great. <laughs> Didn't we all, like, swear that we were not going to t- be our parents when we grew up? We all promised we, want- we weren't going to be our parents, right? Didn't we put that in writing at some point in our adolescence? Then how did we all become our parents? Did you ever in your adult life find yourself saying things like your parents or reacting to things like like your parents did? The older I get, the more... I have to fight against becoming Mark and Debbie. There are times that Kayla will say to me, okay, Debbie, or okay, Mark, when I'm mimicking them particularly strongly, and I don't even know I'm doing it. That's what a good spouse does. This helps you reveal when you're becoming like your parents. It's almost like we're helpless at becoming our parents, the way they speak, their facial responses, their mannerisms, their behaviors. And there are sometimes that you can tell what family people are from by their behaviors. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know this person, but you know the broader family, and you see how they talk or see how they act, and you're like, "Oh, you must be a fill in the blank." I've had people say to me, "Oh, you must you must be a Quanstrom." I can tell because sometimes it's the hair. Uh, oftentimes they say, "Oh, you got the Quanstrom hair," um, but other times it's, "Oh, you sound very much like Mark," or Wow, you sound like Ryan and and so I I often get oh you must be a quantrum. Behaviors and habits reveal our family of origin. Now, I would say our behaviors don't make us a part of our family of origin, but they reveal it. So, it's not that Millie is our child because she says, uh-huh. That doesn't make her our kid. She says, uh-huh, because she's already a part of our family, because that's who we are, and that's what we do. She doesn't become our child by her behaviors any more than I become a by becoming by behaving like my parents. That's not how it works. It's kind of the other way around, isn't it? I became like my family because I'm already in the fam. I'm already in it. The behaviors, the responses are derived from our families of origin they don't gain entrance into that family. They reveal the family that you're a part of. And when we read 1 John, one of the last epistles in the New Testament, I think it's really easy to read this passage and think, oh, geez, that's kind of heavy. I don't know what your reaction was as I was reading it this morning, but it was kind of like, Anyone's anyone who sins is a child of the devil. Oh, geez, am I a child of the devil? Or maybe we read this passage and we think, uh, I need to be better. I need to work harder. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Well, geez, man. What do you do with that? You just need to be better at not sinning, right? Just work harder at not sinning. Well, a quick lesson in reading the Bible, church. Don't derive your understanding of sin or holiness from one or two verses. We read the Bible as a composite, as a whole. So yes, these verses are significant and, and important, but we need to recognize that these verses are part of a larger story. And we take the whole narrative of Scripture to, to derive our understanding of who God is and what God's relationship is to us. Because if you remember from last Sunday, what did we read in the cha- first chapter of 1 John? The same author who wrote, that, who wrote this... The same author who wrote, no one whose sins has seen him or knows him, also wrote at the beginning of this little letter, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The same author said that we must confess our sins. So which is it, church? Acknowledge your sins, confess your sins, or have no sin at all. Well, perhaps the remedy for sin is to bring it into the light. Maybe the remedy for sin is not to pretend like you don't have any. Maybe the path towards holiness and righteousness is through confession. Maybe the author can say, have no sin, and the the way to eliminate sin from our life is through confession, through bringing sin and shame to light. For sin and shame to flourish, it just needs to remain hidden, church. It just needs to remain in the shadows. But when sin and shame is exposed, when it is brought to light, when it is confessed, well, then we may be on the path towards righteousness. So, so when you read First John chapter 3, don't read it and think, oh man, I just need to do more than I have. I just need to be better. I should fill in the blank. Because what this attitude tends to lead towards is more guilt and more shame. When we live in the world of should, we leave ourselves vulnerable to even more shame and even more guilt when we don't live up to those standards. I should be this, I should do that. Well, what happens when you miss that mark? You pile the guilt on yourself, I didn't make it. But we have to acknowledge that behaviors and practices are absolutely essential to the Christian life, right? The way that we behave, the way that we act, the way that we interact is not insignificant. And the early church was actually called the way. Before Christianity was a separate religion, it was a sect of Judaism called the way. They were Jews who were part of the way. And why were they called the way? Because of the way they chose to live. Because they lived a particular way. And there was unity among the behavior of the early church. And they, they lived in some really peculiar ways. The early church did not go to the arena. They would not participate in the arena of Rome. Where gladiators would fight and give their lives They would fight to the death in the arena. They would not participate in that. They did some really peculiar things, church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 45, we see that they redistributed wealth among themselves. Members of the way ate meals in community as much as, if not more than, as individual family units. They ate meals together on the daily. And they did this because they were a part of the way, because they were a people of the resurrection. And the Wesleyan movement was originally called, still exists with this name around the world too, it was originally called Methodism. Methodism was a derogatory term for uh, John and Charles Wesley's communities. Oh, you have your methods, you Methodists. Methodists. You think that the way that you live means something. They were called Methodists because they had methods to their living. Because they lived their lives with a particular method. They were committed to their spiritual habits and their spiritual communities above everything else. They would weekly confess their sins and temptations to one another. Weekly they would ask one another, How have you sinned this week? How have you been tempted this week? They gave regularly and above and beyond a tithe. Christians have historically been known as a peculiar people because they live differently. They had peculiar habits and behaviors and they had unique practices. And 1 John tells us this as well. It's revealed in what we read today. Everyone who does what is right is righteous. Those who have been born of God do not sin. All who do what is right, all who do not do what is right are not from God. Apparently, what you do matters. How you live matters. Apparently, it's significant enough to be written here in this text. We do have to be responsible for our life and our behaviors, but we can't fall into shaming ourselves we're missing the mark, as if our salvation depended on our own ability to not sin. What then is the solution? If salvation is not contingent upon my ability to not sin, but how I live is significant, what's the remedy? How do we hold this intention? Well, First John calls us children of God. In fact, there are 10 times in the verses that we read today that the writer, the author, the elder references to being called children of God or being born of God or even a child of the devil. The familial language in 1 John is incredibly strong here. Family language abounds. The the elder really hammers home that the the family relationships here. And he says to them, you are children of God. And that's good news. So maybe behavior, habits, right living is not something I do because I work hard enough. But if we are children, maybe it's derived from our relationship to God. You see, Millie can't not say, uh huh, because she's our kid. She doesn't say, uh huh, in attempt to become a part of our family. No, she's already in the family. And her behaviors are derived from it. She's our kid. We are her parents. It is not surprising then that she behaves like us, even just at one years old. I am Mark and Debbie's kid. It is not surprising then that I have their dispositions and mannerisms. I don't act like a quonstrum in order to try and become a part of the family. I'm already there. My behaviors are a response to being in the family. I think it is with all of us as children of God. Our behaviors, our habits, our practices, our actions, our interactions are a response to being in the family of God. Not that they grant you salvation, but that they are a response to your family. And the good news is that you don't need to do anything to become a member of God's family. You're already in it. You're already a child of God. You are beloved. And as a child of God, the good news is that you are able to respond in the way that your Heavenly Father does. You are able to respond like your heavenly Father. With patience. With generosity. With charity. With loving kindness. Church, our behaviors don't get us into God's family. They are derived from us being members of it. This is good news. You don't have to work your way into the kingdom. You are God's child. What freedom there is here, church. And as God's child, we are now able to respond to this world in love. And we can do this. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the old ways of living have been defeated. Because the ways of of death and destruction, the ways of violence and anger don't get the last word. No, love is victorious, peace reigns, goodness and charity and generosity are more real because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3 begins by recognizing who God is. See what love the Father has given us. Do you know you are beloved by your heavenly Father? Do See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. This is how chapter 3 begins, and it ends with our response. At the end of that chapter, it says, We should love one another. Because our Heavenly Father has loved us, guess what? We now have the ability to love one another. God is love and we are God's children. Therefore, as members of God's family, we live in such a way that God does we are able to have the response of our loving Father. Genuine Christianity looks like being responsible. Being able to respond in a loving way. We are made able to live lovingly as a response to God's love for us. It's not that we... Have to live lovingly. It's that we can. So we're able. We don't have to seek retribu- retribution. Church, we don't have to seek vengeance. We don't need to avenge. We don't even have to defend ourselves. We don't have to respond in anger. We have an advocate. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Live like Christ who sought not his own security. We don't have to live according to the former ways. Because Christ has been resurrected. Those former ways have been put to death. So now we can have patience. We can have joy. We can have faithfulness we can have peace, we can have kindness, we can have self-control, we can have generosity, and we can be gentle because we are a part of the family of God. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No, church, we can respond to this world and we can respond to one another in love because we are already God's children. And this is who our God is. And as God's children, we mimic God. So if God is a loving being, guess what? We can be as well. Church, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.